0: Paul, um, it's always an humbling experience to be uh, to be invited to this great class, and uh, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, for those of you who are visitors to this class, please don't judge the, this wonderful class on the poor selection of <laughs> of the uh, people they choose to uh, to teach. Uh, the, when you're a teacher, uh, you know sometimes there's good news and bad news about uh, about teaching things that. Uh, that people know um, a lot about, especially in a class like this. Thank you so much. Especially in a class like this um, who know the Bible pretty well. Um, so I thought I would use a subject today that uh, even people who don't know anything about the Bible, they know the story of David and Goliath. So
1: Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. In fact, it's probably used
0: in the media more. Uh, people talk about David's beating Goliath, and they don't even know what the history is about the story. Um, so, so in one way, I'm putting out a little bit of a, a little bit of a challenge that uh, you know you already know the story. Uh, the other side of it is that perhaps maybe I could bring some things to the story that you haven't have thought about before, and, and that's what I'd like to talk about this morning is is facing facing your giants. And the title of the of this of this is your valley of Elah. And we'll find out what that what that means. Now, in order to, in my opinion, in order to understand things in the Bible, you almost always have to understand the history and the context. And so, I thought maybe I'd put a little bit of history and context in this this morning. Um, and so, you need to understand Genesis. You know, I used to teach disciple one in. Um, a lot of Disciple 1 and some Disciple 2, but mostly Disciple 1, and I love Disciple 1 because people would hate to go to the Old Testament. I'm, well, I i got to go to the Old Testament, you know, first, king, second, king, And I said, well, there's no way to understand the New Testament if you don't know the Old Testament, because, I mean, you have to understand the story. So, in Genesis, if you'll remember, Abraham was given a promise, and the promise said... I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we have to understand the promise of Abraham. And in Numbers, you'll remember that um, you know the Moses took the people, the Israelites out of um, out of bondage. They were in the wilderness. They were getting close after a while to getting to the promised land. Moses decided to send 12 spies into the Canaan to see what was going on over there before they decided to go in. If you'll remember the story, the 12 spies came back. They all said, this is the land of milk and honey. The grapes are so large, you can't handle them. This is a huge, beautiful place. But, and 10 of them said, they have fortified cities, and the people that live in them are giants. In fact, they're so big that they make us look like grasshoppers. There's no way we're going into that place. Remember, it was Caleb and Joshua who said (coughs) with God, we can conquer this. And so God said to the people, you will not be allowed to go into the promised land. And so the whole generation had to die off before they could go in. And only Joshua and Caleb were the only two who came out of Egypt to actually go into the promised land. Now, players in the in, in the in the story first of all there's Samuel and uh, if you'll remember Samuel was the last judge and the people of Israel were tired of judges they wanted a king so God told Samuel to anoint Saul as the first king of uh, of the Israelites of Ju- of Judah Judea and uh, Saul displeased God he did something that God told him not to do and um so then, God told Saul, uh, Samuel to anoint another king. And so he went to the, told him to go to to uh, Bethlehem and go see this guy named Jesse. He has eight sons. And if you remember the story, Samuel goes through the first one, tall, dark, and handsome. Here's the guy, obviously. And God says, I don't judge people on their appearance. I judge them by their heart. Goes through all seven. None of the seven are acceptable. And then uh, Samuel says, Jesse, don't you have another son? And he goes, Yeah, I got my my youngest son. He's out there with the sheep, but, you know, he's out there with the sheep. Well, bring him in, and sure enough, that was David. And sure enough, Samuel in chapter 16 anoints David king. Now, Saul's still the king. Mm -hmm. So he anoints David king. And then we come to the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now, here's the setup. In the valley of Elah, which is 15 miles from Bethlehem, there are two hills on either side. And on one side was the Philistine army. And on the other side was the Israelite army. And in the middle was the valley of Elah. And so let's take it up with 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 3. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, And Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, let's get this cubit stuff down, okay? First of all, six cubits and a span is about nine foot, nine inches tall in today's measurements. So he could literally touch the rim not even trying. You could literally touch the rim of a, baseball, a basketball hoop. This was a big man. And he was a champion, not necessarily the king of the ballistines. Because back in those days, uh, they didn't have a whole lot of men. And so in order for them to not just kill off all the men in the war, sometimes they would take the best fighter and that best champion would go against the champion of the other side and whoever won, that would be, the, that'd be it. I mean, then they would take over the other army so they wouldn't have to fight. So this champion named Goliath, nine feet, nine inches tall, from Gath, by the way, he had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat of mail was 5,000 shekels of bronze, which is about 125 pounds. This guy was not only tall, he was big. He was big enough to handle 125 pounds of armor. He had... Uh, He had uh, greaves of bronze on his legs, boots of bronze, a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels, or 15 pounds. The head of the spear weighed 15 pounds. And he had a shield-bearer that went went before him. And he stood out there and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. And if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants to service. And the Philistine said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Now, defy is a pretty strong word. Not only is he defying the armies of Israel, he's defying the God of Israel. I will bless those who bless, and I will curse those who curse. He doesn't know it, but he's already cursed. He's already got a black cloud over his head. He just defied the armies of Israel and defied their God. Give me a man so we can fight. Now when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Why was Saul afraid. I mean, think about this. Saul had been anointed by God to be king of Israel. He bound to have known what the promise of Abraham was and that is that all of you will be blessed and those who curse you will be cursed. He knew that God was going to take care of this but yet he was afraid, which meant that he didn't trust that promise. He didn't trust God. Now David was the son of an Ephratite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse who had eight sons. Why in the world is the family important in this story? Well, let's see now. The Messiah will come from the stump of Jesse, come and be born in the city of David. Jesse is from the tribe of Judah and Mark calls Jesus the Lion of Judah. you see what's going on here? This David is the ancestor of the Messiah. So in the days of Saul, the man was already old. Jesse was already old. And he had three uh, older sons. The three eldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul into battle. And the names of these three sons who were with the battle were Eliab, number one son, Next to him was Abinadab, and finally Shammah. And David was the youngest of the three. For 40 days the Philistine came forward and took the stand morning and evening. Can you imagine a 10-foot fellow coming down that hill? Ten, 40 days in a row, and it was morning and evening, twice a day. So 80 times he challenges the men of Israel. Now Jesse said to his son David... Take for your brothers an ephe of this parched grain and some ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly into the camp to your brothers. Take ten Jesus to the commander of the thousand and see how your brothers are and bring me back some news. Fifteen miles away, three oldest sons, and he wants some news. So here, take him a care package and then come back with some news. Are they okay. Everything going all right. Now Saul and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah. And David rose early in the morning and he left the sheep with the keeper, took the provisions went as Jesse had commanded him and came to the encampment of the army. And he was going forth to the battle line shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle army against army. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and he ran to the front. And he went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, The champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and he spoke the same words as he did before. This was the 81st time he did this. But this is the time that David heard him. By the way, David wasn't looking for giants. He was bringing some care packages to his brother. Isn't it interesting that in our life, giants just show up. They just show up. Life happens. So all the Israelites, when they saw the man, they fled from him again. And they were all afraid, just like they were before. And the Israelites said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Hey David, have you ever seen this guy? Surely he has come to defy Israel. The king, and now here's our, what the king has put up. The king said, He will enrich the man. Reward." There's a big reward on Goliath's head. Who kills him. And he'll give him to his daughter and make his family tax-free. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think all this was done in one time. I think Saul had to ratchet up the beetles. <laughs> I'll give you a reward if you kill him. Now, nobody stood up. I right, well, you have to handle my, hand my daughter in marriage. I wasn't, okay, well, how about tax-free for the rest of your life? By the way, that hand and daughter thing reminds me of a story. Um, there was this rich, young um, Texas oil man had a beautiful daughter. And all the men in the area, they all wanted to marry that daughter. And uh, So the father had a big party, and he brought them all in, and he uh, had a big swimming pool, and he filled it, filled it full of hungry alligators. <laughs> he said, now, any of y'all that can get in that water and swim across that pool, get out on the other side, I give my daughter's hand in marriage. About that time, splash. And there's all kinds of things going on. water flowing everywhere. And this guy comes out the other side and he pulls himself out of the water and he's kind of hanging on his side, breathing heavy. Father goes over and goes, man, that was wonderful. You did it. You get my daughter's hand in marriage. He goes, I ain't studying about your daughter. I'm going to get that fool to push me in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) So we got got a reward on his head. You get the daughter, and by the way, if you, if you want to read something just for fun, go read like First and Second Samuel and see how good that wife was that that, uh, that David got. And uh, <laughs> you know, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, you know, I, I can't do this. God doesn't want me. I got nothing. To, I got nothing to give God. You know, I mean, I'm not good enough. I ain't perfect." You need to read some of the, some of the background, some of these people that God used through the through, through the through the Bible. You know, David had eight wives, he, and, and in order to get one of them, Bathsheba, he, he murdered murdered her husband. So I mean, this guy's not you know Mr. Perfect. So David said to the men who stood by him, and these are the first words of David in the Bible: "What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away?" the reproach from Israel. In other words, did I hear you right? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, I don't know about you, but there wasn't but one army. There was the Israelite army. Why did David say armies? Because David didn't go into the valley of Elah and focus on Goliath. David is focusing on God. There's the whole heavenly multitude involved in this thing. It's not just the men of Israel. We're talking about the armies of God. So the people answered him in the same way. They told him the same thing. So so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now his eldest brother Eliab heard him talking to the men. And Eliab anger was kindled against David. He said, why you come down here? Now remember, David has got to be less than 20. He's probably in his teens. He wasn't old enough to fight the army. So Eliab, the older son, says to the youngest son, what in the world are you doing here? I mean, who are you talking about going to take on? What are you doing here? With whom have you left those few sheep? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He didn't even say he had a lot of sheep to watch. He said, you got a few sheep and you walked away from them. I know your presumption, and I know the evil in your heart, for you have come down just to see the battle. Isn't it interesting that when we go up against our giants, there are people around who don't want us to even fight them. (coughs) You ain't good enough. What do you mean? Uh, You you don't have enough money. You uh, you ain't young enough. You ain't smart enough. (laughs) David said, Now what have I done? I'm only asking a question. He turned away from him. He turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him. Now, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And so Saul sends for David. David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistines. In other words, Saul. Don't worry about this. I'm going to take on... I'll take on the giant. Shepherd, teenager. 9'9", nine nine, 125 pounds, 15. Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine. You ain't big enough. You ain't strong enough. You ain't old enough. You ain't smart enough. For you are just a boy. And he has been a warrior since he was a boy. But David said to Saul... Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and I struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth, and it turned against me. I'd catch it by the jaw, strike it down and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine's gonna be the next one. (laughs) Now listen, (laughs) y'all. Samuel anointed David to be king. He just didn't tell him it was going to be today. You see, when God calls you, you've got to understand that there are lots of things you've got to go through first in order for you to get ready to do whatever God wants you to do. It says here that David killed lions and bears. More than one. This ain't his first (laughs) rodeo he's going against Goliath and he said look mean, I had lions and bears man. This, this ain't but one guy I mean the, the Israelites looked at Goliath and said he was too big to hit <laughs> David looked at Goliath and said he's too big to miss <laughs> your servant has killed both lions and bears and this Philistine going to be just like one of them because he has done what? he has defied the armies of God now y'all When you read the Bible, you've got to understand that there are different levels in the Bible. And it's all got this thread that goes all the way through it. (laughs) Don't look at this story as just a big old man against a little bitty old boy, and for once in his life, the boy gets lucky. This is much deeper than that. Goliath is an uncircumcised Philistine who has defied God. This is another Satan. This is another evil versus good stuff here. You got David, who is the precursor of the Messiah, against Satan in the presence of Goliath. So David said to him, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear is going to save me from the hand of the Philistine. David remembers the promise. He's not, this is not, this is not David's fight. This is the Lord's fight. So Saul said to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. Now that's not how he said it. He went, Go ahead and, Oh, May the Lord be with you. <laughs> <laughs> you ever had any of those friends? Just read Joe. Okay, that's a great one. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's your calling. You know, and by the way, May the Lord be with you. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Saul. So Saul decided to clothe David with his armor. In other words, you're a teenager and you're a a shepherd, and so you gotta you know look like you gotta at least look like you know what you're doing. So I, I tell you what, I'm gonna loan you my stuff, okay? So he loaned him the armor. He put on the bronze helmet. He put him on the coat of mail. David strapped on the sword, and uh, he tried to walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so David said, "You look, I can't even walk in this stuff, man. You, can't, you gotta get this stuff off of me. I'm not used to it." So David took them all off, took his staff in his hand, and chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in his bag. Now, I'm always interested in the words that are in the Bible and the words that are not in the Bible. For example, why is it five? Why couldn't it have been two or one, you only needed one, or seven or twenty? Why five? Well, if you keep reading in Samuel and Kings, you'll find out that Goliath had four brothers. So he wasn't just going after Goliath. He's going to take on the whole family. So he takes five smooth stones. And by the way, uh, these are not these little river stones, okay? Um, These stones are about the size of a baseball, and they weigh about a pound. And if you're really good at what you do, you can sling that thing about 100 miles an hour. In fact, there were slingers in the Greek army, the Syrian army, and the Roman army because they were that good. So you think a baseball at 100 miles an hour at the forehead is not uh, inconsequential. So the Philistine came on, and he he drew near to David, and his shield bearer was in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a kid, ruddy and but he was handsome, and the Philistine said to David, "Am I a dog that you come to me with a stick?" By the way, if you ever if you ever go to Florence, you need to go and see Michelangelo's David. to see the real deal. This is un- is an unbelievable thing to be able to behold. But if you ever look at what Michelangelo did with David's look, he's kind of looking over his shoulder like this, sort of like got no idea what's about to happen. I mean, he's not afraid at all. He is ready to go. Am I a dog? You come to me with a stick? And the Philistines started cursing David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, You come to me, and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. In other words, he's starting to talk trash to David. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This very day the Lord is going to deliver you into my hand and I'll strike you down and cut off your head and I'll give you dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and the wild animals of the earth so that all the earth will know there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not Save my sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. When you go up against your Goliath, when the giants just show up, please understand that if you don't understand anything else about today, the battle ain't yours, the battle is the Lord's. When the Philistine drew near to meet David, David did what? He ran forward. He ran toward the giant. And David put his hand in his bag, took out the stone, slung it, struck the Philistine right in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. He fell face down on the ground. David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling in the stone, striking down the Philistine and killing him. There was no sword in David's hand so he took the Philistine's sword and cut off his head and he killed him. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead they fled and the troops of Israel and Judah rose up with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath. Now I think there are a couple of points out of this story that we can maybe take with us this morning. The first is I think there are two lessons in this story. Lesson number one, when you face a giant, you got two choices. You either do nothing and stay scared, and then the giant wins. So when you face your giants, do you lose heart in the face of a giant? Or you fight. Now, if you choose to fight, you just remember this: this, this, the number two lesson. This battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. If you look in chapter, chapter of Romans, chapter eight, which is a great, great chapter, it says in verse thirty-one: If God is for us, who's against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he put with him also, give us everything else? Who will bring anything against us? If God, who justifies, who is to condemn? Down to verse 37. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, including giants, will be able to separate us from the love of God. Chapter 9, verse 16. So it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God. So you can do one of two things. Stay scared, don't do anything, giant wins. But if you choose to fight, Understand the battle is not yours. Now, David took out five stones, and there's a, a little book here that I'm that I'm using some of this from, and these come from Max Lucado, so they're not mine. I'm going to borrow them. He said so he chose five stones, and when you face your giant, I think you need to remember these five stones. The first one is the stone of the past. You know, um, it's easy. I think for us to say, Lord, thank you for my car and thank you for my house and thank you for my job and thank you for my family and thank you for... I mean, that's easy, right? <laughs> but what we ought to be thanking God for is all the battles we've been coming through. That's about Bill's character. David wasn't ready to be king until he had to go through some battles. He had to go through some fights. He had to build a character. And we need to put down a list of all the times when we faced the giant and because of God he gave us the victory let me read a little paragraph from Max Lucato. <clears throat> remember the marvelous works he has done catalog God's successes keep a list of his records has he not walked you through the high waters hasn't he proven to be faithful have you not known his provision? How many nights you go into bed hungry? How many mornings you woke up in the cold? He has made roadkill out of your enemies. Write today's worries in sand, but chisel yesterday's victories in stone. When you go up against a giant, the first stone you need to remember is, this ain't God's first rodeo with you. Second stone is prayer. You need to have your mind fixed on God because this ain't your battle. It's God's battle. Listen to to what David wrote later in life. Psalm (coughs) 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? In the 23rd Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. This is not some little shepherd boy sitting in the grass writing poetry, guys. He's telling you what happened to him. He has history. And he knows that God has been with him. The third stone is priority. When Goliath defied God, He put God's reputation on the line. And that will not succeed with David. David's priority was to fix the situation. Our priority needs to be not not the giant, but the fact that God is with us. The fourth stone is passion. He ran toward the giant. How many times have we run away from our giants? Max says... David ran, not away from him, but toward the giant. On one side of the battlefield, Saul and his cowardly army gulped. On the other, Goliath scoffed. And in the middle, the shepherd boy ran. Who bet on David? Who put money on the kid from Bethlehem? Not the Philistines. Not the Hebrews. Not David's brothers. Not even David's king bet on David but God did and since God did and since David knew God did that skinny runt became a blur of pumping knees and and he swirled that sling and he ran right toward that giant and you need to do the same thing what good has problem pondering got you you stared so long you can remember the hairs on Goliath's chest how'd that work for you no, listing hurts don't heal them. Itemizing problems don't solve them. Category, categorizing rejections don't remove them. David killed Goliath because he emphasized the Lord. And then finally the stone of persistence. You've got to never give up. One prayer may not be enough. One apology may not be enough. You gotta stay persistent. Now, of the four players in this, in this story, I want you to put where you think you might be. For example, Goliath trusted his own natural talent. He was the baddest guy in the valley. He had physical security. He shows contempt for others that he didn't understand. Goliath. Sometimes we're like Goliath. What about Saul? Dismayed, terrified by the giants. Hiding, controlled by fear. Didn't believe God. Hoping somebody else will come along and fix him for you. What about Eliab? the oldest son jealous angry annoyed that someone else because of their mere presence reminded him of the guilt of his sin and then there's David David remembered God's hand on his past lions and bears number two he didn't get weighed down by that armor you know We have to understand that when God calls us, we need to fight that giant with whatever God gives us. He fought a giant with a rag and a rock. He didn't have a bazooka, or a machine gun, or a hand grenade, or a sword, or armor. He just used what God gave him. Don't be psyched out when other people put you down. You ain't old enough, ain't big enough, ain't strong enough, never done it before. Got no experience. Don't even belong here. And finally, recognize that the battle ain't yours. It's the Lord's. David had a destiny.
1: He had a destiny to be the greatest king
0: of Israel. He had a destiny to be one of the ancestors of the Messiah. He had a destiny. And he wasn't going to let a giant get in the way. You have a destiny. Every morning when you wake up, you've got a job to do. It's our job to find out what God wants us to do. And when we do, don't let giants get in the way. I'd like to end with a little excerpt here from, <clears throat> from Max Lucado. There were no volunteers until today, until David. David just showed up. He clocked out a sheep watching to deliver bread and cheese to his brothers. That's when David heard Goliath defying God, and that's when David made a decision. He took the staff in his hand, he chews five smooth stones from the brook, he put them in his bag, in a pouch that he has, and a sling in his hand, and he starts walking toward the Philistine. Goliath scoffs at this kid, this and even nicknames him Twiggy. Am I a dog and you come to me with a stick? Skinny, scrawny David. Bulky, brutish Goliath. Toothpick versus the tornado. The minivac attacking the 18-wheeler. The toy poodle taking on a Rottweiler. What are the odds that you give David against this guy? Your Goliath doesn't carry swords or shields. He doesn't brandish blades. But he does have blades of unemployment and abandonment and sexual abuse or depression. And your giant doesn't parade up and down the hills of Elah. He prances through your office or your bedroom or your classroom. And he brings bills you can't pay and grades you can't make and people you can't please and whiskey you can't trust and pornography you can't refuse. A career you can't escape, a past you can't shake, and a future you can't face. You very well know the roar of Goliath. He vies for your bedside position, hoping to be the first voice you hear in the morning. He covets your waking thoughts, those early pillow born emotions. He awakes you with words of worry. He stirs you up with thoughts of stress. If you dread the day before you begin your day, then mark it down, your giant's been in your bed, and he's just been warmed up. He breathes down your neck as you eat breakfast. He whispers in your ear as you walk over the door, shadows your steps, sticks to your hip. He checks your calendar. He reads your email. He talks more trash than players in a ball game. You ain't got what it takes. You come from a long line of losers. Go ahead, fold your cards, leave the table. He's been dealt a bad hand. He's your giant, your Goliath. Given half a chance, he's going to ruin your day and turn it into his valley of Elah taunting, teasing, boasting, echoing claims from one hillside to the other. You remember how Goliath misbehaved. For 40 days, twice a day, morning and evening, the Philistine giant strutted in front of the Israelite army. Goliaths still roam our world. Debt, disaster, dialysis, <coughs> danger, deceit, disease, depression. Supersized challenges still swagger and strut. They still steal our sleep embezzle our peace and suck out our joy but they can't dominate you. You know how to deal with them. You face giants by facing God first. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father we thank you for this glorious day you've given us. There is no question that you are the creation of all things. Just take a look at today. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to come here today and to listen and to learn about your word. But we know we're going to face some giants. We faced them before. And we look back, you were with us. We're going to face some more. And they're going to get bigger and better. We've got to understand that the fight is not ours. The battle is yours. We ask it in the precious name of your Son. Amen. Amen. Amen.